from Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. Well, let's bow our heads and let's pray and let's ask God to open our minds to what he wants to say. Heavenly Father, we bless your name and we glorify you in the house today. We're thankful for worship. We're thankful that we can praise you. And as we turn our attention, God, to the message, we, we ask that you'd open our hearts and you'd speak directly to us, God. Holy Spirit, I know and I pray this often that as I share it, you can speak to each individual person in the house and online, everyone within the sound of my voice in different ways. And so we ask that you do so today. Let us learn and let us grow and let us ever be changed and transformed by your word this morning. In Jesus' name, everybody said. So our family was away uh, last week up at a cottage at Spring Bay Pentecostal Camp up north on Manitoula Island, and we had a great time. It was good to be away. And uh, we spent time with some family, and we did paddleboarding, and we did kayaking, and we went on the water. We did a little fishing and caught nothing big or exciting, just small things that I only know how to catch because I don't really know how to fish. I need someone to teach me. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge to those of you who know. (laughs) Um, It was a great trip. We had a great time, but we did have a very long drive to get there. It's about a nine-hour trek, which sounds really long, right? And it's even longer when you have a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, and a two-year-old in the car. So it was, it was adventurous, to say the least. But we brought, like, different, um, different activities for them and, you know, toys and stuff to keep them occupied. And we made sure that we were prayed up so that we didn't go insane on the way there and on the way. The, the journey there is always easy because you're excited and you're anticipating, you know, just being away. The one coming back was like, it's like hard and agonizing, right? It's just like this nine hours is now 11 hours, but it feels like 15. It feels like we've been gone in this car for a week. You know, when's God going to save us from this car ride? Um, But we made it. We came home. And uh, I don't know if you do this, but we, I think you do this, but when you go on road trips, you know, we tend to listen to music and, you know, listen to radio. And and if you have satellite radio, you're one of those. You can, you, you, wherever you are, you can get it. But back in the day, do you remember we couldn't do that? And we used to get like cassette tapes. And I don't know if you did this. And you'd, you'd put songs on a cassette tape and you'd have like your playlist. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you are like, what's a cassette tape? Because you're too young. Some of you are like cassette tape, eight tracks and whatever was before that, I don't know. My, my brain kind of started at cassette tape and that's when life began for me. I remember like as a child, as a kid, waiting with my boombox and stereo for my favorite song to come on and press and record really quick. And hopefully you got it right at the beginning and then you get it right at the end. You keep doing that. Hopefully you got it all right, you know, and eventually that morphed into CDs and you could download music. But, but years ago, it took like a day or two to download one song and you'd spend like a week making a playlist of songs and Eventually, that morphed. I remember going on road trips, and we'd have, like, a whole binder full of CDs, right? Like, basically every song. Like, and it, was, it was amazing. We had what we, what we called, like, a summer playlist. And we're going to do something similar for the remainder of the summer is we're going to venture actually through some psalms. And we're going to look at some psalms through this summer and just see different psalms that speak to us and, and learn from the psalm what it says about God, what it says about us and and what it says on how we can build our faith. So if you have a Bible, I want you to go to 
Psalms 30. If you don't have a Bible, there is a free app that you can download on your phone if, if you don't have a phone that's able to do that. The app is called YouVersion Bible app. Uh, let us know and we'll get you a Bible. I, know, I don't want anyone to ever go without having the word of God in their hands in any form. Psalms 30, we're gonna read the whole Psalm in just a bit. I've titled this message, Praise for Joy. We praise in order to have joy. In order to have joy, we need to start praising. We need to start praising. So what are the Psalms? The Psalms are actually a collection of 150 ancient Hebrew poems and songs and prayers. 150, a collection of ancient Hebrew poems, songs, and prayers that come from all different periods throughout um, Israel's history. Now, most of the Psalms are connected to David or written by David, King David. He was a, known as a poet and as a worshiper. And all, all, there's many other ones. Sol, there's some songs of Solomon in there, and there's um, some of Moses. Worshippers that, that led worship in the temple wrote some of these and wrote some of these poems. And it came into this form that we have now somewhere after um, Israel went into exile. They, they kind of collected all these psalms and, or these poems and these songs and these prayers and put them into the collection we have today. But these, this collection that we have now in our Bible and kind of ba basically in the smack dab middle of your Bible um, were the different songs and prayers that were usually used in the temple for worship and in the tabernacle. David back, you'll, you can read about it in First Chronicles 25 if I'm correct, um, set up worshipers to lead in basically 24-hour worship in the temple, and they sang these, these different songs. And in these psalms, we can learn a lot. We can learn a lot about prayer and how to pray. And so if you're a person and you're here today or you're listening and you're like, I'm really struggling with how to pray to God, I would encourage you to read the psalms. Just take a psalm a day, and when you get to those longer ones, maybe take half of it. And you'll begin to learn what it means to lift up a prayer to God. We can learn a lot about the people of God like David because he wrote a lot, a lot of them and what he experienced and, and how as a person, how he related to God with what he experienced. And we can learn a lot about God. We can learn a lot about the nature of God, the character of God and his power. Now, most of us know how easy it is to memorize a song, right? You put a tune to something and it just... Sticks. I don't know about you, but I don't think I can say my ABCs without singing the alphabet song. I'm, I'm serious. I tried it this morning, but the song just it immediately snaps into my head. I've seen some videos circulated, you know, the interweb of, of intoxicated drivers who were pulled over, and the police officer asked them to say the ABCs backwards. And I paused for a second. I'm thinking, I don't think I could do that. Like, am I right? frame of mind. I don't, I don't think I could do that. I, there's no song for that, right? There's no song for the ABCs backwards. But the, but the songs just stick. Now imagine you're an Israelite, you're one of God's people, and you hear these being sung in the temple. And you hear these being, being said. How easy it would be for you to recall them to mind, right? Just like we sing songs today and we recall them to mind. But as you recall to mind the song, you're also recalling to mind the nature of God and what he did and how people related to God. We sing songs today in church as worship to God. It's for him. Just so you know, worship is not for us. You know, you're not the audience. Online and in the house. You're not, it's not like the team's up here giving you a concert. If, if you think that, you have a completely wrong perspective. 
You're not the audience. It's for God. He's the audience. But as we sing these songs and as we, as we declare these things, um, we, we're singing and learning about the things that God has done for us. And those things stick with us. We can actually learn a lot of theology from songs, which is actually important that we consider the songs that we're singing, the worship songs that we're singing. Because unknowingly, we can actually build a theology that is not biblical if we're singing songs that aren't biblical. So I would, I would encourage you and challenge you to take a look at the songs you sing that are on the Christian radio and then go back to your Bible and be like, is this biblical? Because more often than not, you'll remember what the song says more than what you remember what the Bible says. And the song isn't the ultimate authority. The Bible is. The scripture is. So if, if they're opposite, if the song we sing says this, but the Bible says this, the song's wrong. Okay, just, just keep that locked in your head. So Psalms chapter 30, uh, verses 1 to 12. This is a song of David for the temple. And he is praising God for his healing, and he's calling the community of God to praise along with him. I want to read it for you today. We're 1 through 12. He says this, I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of my depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord, my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. Sing praises of the Lord, you, his faithful people. Praise his holy name, for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. When I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. Lord, when you favored me, you made my royal mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What is gained if I am silenced, if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim, proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, be my help. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy, that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord my God, I praise you forever. Now we all know that this uh, past year and a half has been less than great. All of us have experienced um, some sort of setback or some sort of difficulty, some of us greater than others. We've been divided from family, right? We know this. Some of us have suffered job loss or wage loss or loss of job security. Some small businesses will never recover. Division, it's incredible amounts of division over the last 18 months. In country, right? Our country's so divided right now. People are divided. Churches are divided. Death and sickness and in it all, when I look back, things haven't turned out how we hoped or planned. You know, some of us had celebrations that we had planned that we couldn't do, or some of us had, you know, planned to go away or on vacation or holidays that we couldn't do. We've experienced setbacks. Maybe we had step forwards, uh, steps to take forward that didn't happen. And I don't think any of us like it. I don't like it. Do you like it? Nobody does. But I think in many ways, when I, when I think about that, when I think about the fact that I don't like how things shaped up, I think that's a reflection of a faith that is a byproduct of a consumeristic society. 
Whether you realize it or not, us in North America, our faith is impacted by consumerism. It was uh, Kerry Newhoff years ago, he called it worshiping a drive-through God. He said, I'll have happiness, some affluence, good health, comfort, of course comfort, and a bunch of leisure, and I'll take that to go, Jesus. And then when it doesn't happen, we think we've been served the wrong dish. And so we look at the past 18 months and we said, we've been served the wrong dish. We don't know how to suffer well. We don't know how to persevere well. We all know that in the West, we're blessed, right? When in comparison to many cultures and nations, we, the things that we have and have access to, we recognize that we're blessed. But when we face the circumstances that we face and the personal challenges and the setbacks and the difficulties and very real pain and suffering, those are hard to get through. And I think I'm right when I say all of us want to rewrite those parts of our story. The Bible has a lot to say about suffering. A lot. If you read in the New Testament, much of it is hard for us to swallow. Let me read you what James said, the half-brother of Jesus. James chapter 1, verse 2. He said, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Let me just read that again. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, we all smile and we nod at that scripture and we say, way to go, James, that's great. But when you're facing your, when you're facing your challenge, it's like James is saying to you, that's pure joy. That setback is pure joy. Pure joy. Not half joy. Not 15% joy. It's not like you got a bottle and you say, this is 15% joy in this bottle. Pure joy. That's the good stuff. That's the good stuff. He says, consider it. Look at it differently. Look at your pain and your difficulty and your setback and you fill in the blank as pure, what? Joy. I don't know about you, but I look at James and I'm like, what are you on, man? <laughs> like that's really easy to say when, you're, when, when things are going the way you want, right? When you got your dish served correctly. But then if you have the 18 months that we all had, you're like, I'm not, I'm not feeling pure joy. There might be like 25%. Like I can, I can get a good perspective a little bit. Like if I really try hard, I can see some good in this. But this is not pure joy, James. Are you really the half-brother of Jesus? Like did you grow up with the same guy that we, I don't know. Consider it a pure joy. And if you read what Peter said and Jesus and Paul, they, they tend to all agree. In case you wondered why life doesn't roll out the way you want it to roll out when you follow Jesus, in case you wondered and thought that faith in Jesus and the way of an apprentice of Jesus was easy peasy lemon squeezy, you read the wrong story. Like sometimes, unfortunately, in churches, we've served that dish. Take Jesus and everything will be hunky-dory. I don't even know what that word means, hunky-dory. Everything will be peachy keen. Everything will be fine. 
And so people get this mentality that if I have Jesus in my life, I'm not going to face trials of many kinds. I'm not going to face difficulty. I'm not going to have setbacks. I'm not going to suffer. We think life won't happen. And then many people in the West, in North America, maybe even in this church, we think that's Christianity. That's not what Christianity is. We don't know how to suffer well. We shouldn't be surprised when we suffer and have setbacks. Jesus said what? In this world, you will have trouble. Not in this world because you're a disciple of mine. Everything's going to be great. It's a party from now on. You got me? No more pain. That's gone. You won't even know when you stub your toe. Cut yourself. You won't even know when you're bleeding because there's no more pain. No, he says, you will face trouble. But take heart. This is the message of the gospel. Take heart. I've overcome it. I've overcome it. The New Testament actually says that we should rejoice. Consider it a pure joy when you face what you face. Because the testing of your faith does something in you. That produces in you what God wants to produce in you. The pain, the hardship, God actually wants to do a work through that. He wants to produce godliness in us, and that often only comes through challenge. I like how Romans 8 put it. Paul, to the church in Rome, he said, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Just so you guys know, we all have rough corners. We have sharp edges. We have a sinful nature. And the Lord uses life to round those out and work out of you your sinful nature so that we can be mature and become complete in Christ. There is a theology of suffering that we're missing in North America. So when COVID hits these last 18 months, we don't know how to face it as pure joy. There's actually a journey that the Lord wants to take us on, and it's called the crucible of life. And in it, he does some some working. So we're on this uh, trip last week, and for whatever reason, um, we had our boys were there, and their cousins were there, and some other people were there, and they were all searching for rocks. And they believed that they they found these really nice rocks, and if they could crack them open, there'd be like crystal inside or gold that they could sell off. And all week they're like, "I'm going to buy a butler, and I'm going to buy a Lamborghini." And us as parents are just sitting there laughing. And I remember when my one son comes up to me, he goes, "Dad, what do you think's in here?" I'm like, "Buddy, I don't." I don't think there's anything in there. <laughs> and he says, well, look at it. Look how it's shaped. And I said, yeah, but see those big rocks over there? That rock probably got caught off that rock, and then it, as it moved through the water, it rubbed up against other rocks, and it rounded over time. And sometimes that's what God does through our life, is he uses the, the waves and the water and the, the rock against rock to round it out so what comes out the other end is smooth and beautiful looking so that little kids pick it up and they think, man, there's gold inside this. There's gold inside this. I heard once um, someone say to this, and it stuck with me when I was a kid. They said that it's the valleys that give shape to the hills. And we wouldn't have the hilltop experiences if it weren't for the valleys. And so we need to go through that. So that brings us to Psalms chapter 30. Uh, David wrote this, and he actually has a key 
for us to experience this joy that James talks about. He has a tool. He has a method of how to produce joy, how to have pure joy in the midst of circumstance, how we can suffer well. And David's worth listening to. You know, King David is known by God as a man after his own heart. He's the second king of Israel in the Old Testament. The first king had failed, and when the first king had failed, this is what God said of David. He said, the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. Not the Lord is gonna make a man after his own heart. I've sought out a man after my own heart. God loved David so much that he said, the son of man, my son, will be called the son of David. So David is worth listening to. And in this, he says uh, he has been seriously sick and the Lord has restored him to health. He says this in verse two. He says, I called to you for help and you healed me. You brought me out of the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. So David's on his deathbed with whatever he's facing. He's, he's near the end and he cries out to the Lord and the Lord restores him. You know, we do a lot of things when we're in dire need, right? We worry. Some of us Google symptoms. We complain. We reason our way through it. But do we do the one thing that could actually be the most beneficial and that's get on our hands and knees and pray to the one who can do something about it? So a couple weeks back, we dedicated a day of prayer and fasting um, for healing over Mark Ellis and for all those who had kidney issues. And Mark, uh, he needed his kidney removed because he had two tumors on his kidney. I think there was one on the outside and one on the inside. And after we had prayed, the doctors went in you know, a week and a half ago or a couple weeks ago, and as they were performing the surgery, they noticed that there was one tumor, but the other one wasn't a tumor. They said it was something to do with the vein. That's what Colleen had said. But Colleen said to me, his wife, Mark's wife, she said, I saw the MRI and it was a second tumor. Can I just tell you that's God's work? So this is what else she said to me, shared with me. She said, the doctor was able to get out the kidney and is confident he got it all. Praise God. Can we just praise God for that? So we called out to God and he answered. He said, the doctor said he was sure that he was going in with stage four and was shocked. He doesn't think Mark will need any treatment and will heal up just fine. We just have to wait for pathology, but everything looks amazing. So we called out, church. We called out. And we didn't just say, hey, let's, we, we need to pray for so-and-so. Like, let's dedicate a day. Let's, let's call out, right? Let's do something about this. Let's fast. Let's remove comfort, you know, the comfort of our life, food or whatever it is for you, and let's fast for this reason. And God responded. And David did that. David called out to God, and he was healed. Are we calling out to God? Like, we pray. We say some nice prayers. But are we, like, desperate for God to move? When I look at the life and, and, and of Jesus and the people that came to him and the people that Jesus healed, they were often desperate. Like they wanted it, right? They, they, they would cry out. Do we cry out? Or do we just jump on Google and say, you know, what, what does this mean? And uh, we spend hours worrying. Listen, I do it too. I'm, I'm in the same boat. I'm, I, but, but can we get on our hands and knees? And pray about it 
Like actually get on our hands and knees, not metaphorically. Can we, can we stand before God and be like, God, I'm doing something. No one else is looking around. I'm in my bedroom, but I, I really need you to come through for me here. When was the last time we did that? David, he, he was on his deathbed and he says he called out to God and he healed me. So how do we suffer well? How do we consider the trials and the tribulations and the setbacks and the things that we face as pure joy? We actually call out to God and he has a, the ability to lift us out of our despair. Maybe he won't come through the way we expect, but almost always, 100% of the time, that have actually cried out to God, I felt lifted. I felt more peace. I felt more faith. I felt less fear. I felt more strength. God comes through. So as soon as he's recovered, David, what's his instinct? If you caught it, his instinct was to praise God. The first thing that David did was he praised when, when, when the sickness lifts, the first thing we should do is sing praise. When, when the strength has been regained, the first thing we need to do is look up to Jesus with thankfulness and gratefulness. Some people, we, we need to be reminded of this, but David didn't. What God had done humbled David and brought him incredible deep joy that it caused him to join in the song with the heavenly host. Praise. Now, what he did next, I think, is really important and key. What, what, what God did in David's life welled up in his heart. He praised God, but he isn't satisfied singing by himself. He isn't satisfied doing this alone. And the next lyric in the song, because remember, this is a song. The next lyric in the song is David calling the people to sing praise. He calls the community of God to sing along with what God has done in his life by saying, sing praises of the Lord, you faithful people. See, what God had done in his life brought him to praise, but it led him to call on the community to join in the song. Because what God does in one, he does it in us all. What God did for Mark Ellis, he does in us all. So when one gets healed, we all praise. So when one gets restored, we all praise. So when one relationship is reconciled, we all praise. Even though we may not be having the reconciliation, even though we maybe didn't get the healing, even though maybe we didn't get restored, we still praise for what God did in them. Because what God did in them means he can do it in me. And singing praise, lifting praise to God has a way of lifting me up out of my circumstances. It's a community endeavor. Paul said to the apostle, to the, Paul the Apostle said to the church in Rome, sorry, he said, rejoice with those who rejoice. Rejoice because of what God's doing in someone else's life. In fact, if you find yourself to be a jealous person and you complain about the successes of others and what God is doing in other people's lives, you need to do this because this is the antidote to that. This is the antidote to, that will change your heart. Start celebrating what God is doing in others. Charles Spurgeon is a 19th century Baptist preacher, uh, wrote a lot of things that we follow and, and read today. He says this, he said, it is the characteristic of a praiseful heart that it naturally desires society in praise. Because when, when you have a heart after God, your heart wells up when he does something for someone else. 
in the room, we just, we just praised, we clapped for, for what God did in Mark. That's what happens in the heart that is after God, is when he heals one, we get excited. When he restores one, we get excited, and we celebrate that. So David calls the community to sing praise, and I think there's a reason for that, because here's the key, okay? If you can walk away with anything, walk away with this today. Praise has a way of altering our perspective. Praise is a powerful thing. Praising God is even more powerful. It's, it has a curing effect to it. It lifts our soul out of the darkness and the heaviness. Praise has a way of lightening the burdens of life that we face. It shortens the weariness of the circumstances if we praise along the way. It injects joy into the sadness. So I was just talking with my pastor this past week. I was on the phone with him, and he was telling me the story of some, some guys that he had grew up with and played hockey with. One of them called him up because another one was, was dying of cancer. And so he's like, you need to come. You know, the story's longer than this, but he's like, you need to come. You know, he's, he's given up. He's given up. And you need to come pray. You need to do something. And so he goes over there and he begins to realize, and these were non-Christian guys. They were not followers of Jesus, right? Not apprentices of the way of Christ. And he goes over to meet with this guy who's dying of cancer and realizes he hasn't given up. He found Jesus. And so he has hope that when he passes away on this side of life, there's eternity on the other side. So what the one guy saw as him giving up my pastor began to recognize that wasn't him giving up. That's him being at peace about the circumstance. And that's what happens when we praise. It injects joy into our situation. And we, we don't have a very good understanding of joy. Joy is, is not like happiness. We, we want happiness and we pursue happiness. But unlike joy, happiness is only circumstantial. And the pursuit of happiness, you need to know this, is not a biblical directive. You won't find it in there. You won't find God talking about his desire to make you happy. He's not concerned about happiness. He is concerned about holiness. If you read the Bible, it says, in Peter, it says, be holy because he is holy. It doesn't say be happy because he's happy. It says be holy because he is holy. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't do what the world does. Be holy. Be set apart. That word holy means set apart, means be different than. That's why God is holy. There's no one like God. There's no one like the most high, all right? And he's calling his community to be holy. Not happy, but he does want you to have joy. This is what Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 11 after speaking to the disciples about the coming Holy Spirit and telling them to remain in him, he said this, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. God wants you to have joy, not happiness. God wants you to have joy, not happiness. We experience happiness because things are going good. Good times make us feel good. That's happiness. It's circumstantial. But joy is different. Joy is the expressed gratitude of the soul regardless of the good times. Joy is the ability to praise and see hope and soar above even though the circumstance is less than desirable. 
Joy transcends the situation. It, it rides beneath and it rides above what we're going through. It lifts us up in spite of what's going on around. Joy is what someone has when they have a physical ailment like this gentleman had who had cancer and was dying on his deathbed and he had, still had a smile on his face. Joy is when the relationship is torn and it's rocky. You can still praise God for his goodness. Paul tells the church in Galatia that joy is a part of the fruit of the Spirit. It comes from God's active presence in your life. So happiness comes from what we have or what we're going through. You have something, you're happy. You're going through good times, you're happy. Joy comes from the presence of God. It's a state of, of being with the Spirit. Are you tracking with me? So understand this, though, that true joy can only be known when we experience hardship and difficulty and sadness. There's a connection there because then you know that what you're experiencing is not circumstantial, that the smile and the, the feeling of hope is not just based on good times but it's because your identity is not rooted in your life and what you do and what you have, but your identity is rooted in something deeper, and that is Christ. The Bible says this, that joy is strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. It's when you get the diagnosis, but you can still praise God for his goodness. It's when you lose the job, but you still thank him for the provision. So this is why praise is so powerful, because it has the ability to inject joy into moments of deep despair. That's why David, in the song he writes to the community, he says, sing praises of the Lord, for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the moment. Do you remember the song we used to sing in, in church back in the day, I'm Trading My Sorrows? I'm trading my sorrows. I'm trading my shame. I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. Oh, there's truth in that message. There's truth in that song, right? I'm pressed but not crushed, persecuted, not abandoned. Anybody? Struck down but not destroyed. Like youth days are running back to me. I'm blessed beyond a curse, for his promise will endure. And the joy is going to be my strength. Though the sorrow may last through the night, joy comes with... I make a fool of myself, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. But it's true. It's true. This is what David said. He said, you turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and you clothed me with joy. And then he invites the community to join in the song. I invite the worship team to come. David knew the joy firsthand and so he calls everyone else to join in. Because if God could do it for him, he could do it for the rest. So what do we do? When health gets you down, you praise. When relationships are rocky, you praise. When, when family is torn, you praise. When you don't know if you can pay the next bill, you praise. When you can't see light at the end of the tunnel, you praise God because he's still good. He's still good. 
We call out to God. David did it. God responded. He worked. He healed so that he could say, my, that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Because what is gained if I am silenced? If I go down to the pit, will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your, your faithfulness? Now, let's be real. It's really easy to say, right? It's really easy for me to say up here. And it's really easy for you to agree when I get all passionate and excited about it and it sounds really nice. But when we're going through that pain and we're going through that circumstance, like how do we sing praise when circumstances stink? Like you don't know what I'm going through, pastor. I may not. I don't. So how can we have that joy? How can we sing praise to a God who heals and he restores and he reconciles when I'm not seeing any of that? How do I sing praise to a God who provides when I've just lost my job or my source of income or it's been cut? How do I praise a God of reconciliation when my, my marriage is, is falling apart or my, my family life is torn? How do I sing to that God? How do I praise that God when I'm going through this? When I feel like I'm in the realm of the dead? When I feel like I'm in the pit? How do I do that? How do I inject joy into my situation, not happiness? First of all, stop chasing happiness. But here's a couple things I wanna give you and then what we're gonna do is, actually, I want you to stand. Would you stand with me? If you're in the house, if you're in your online and you're watching, would you join in with us? First of all, here's what we do. Here are the keys, okay? Joy is a fruit of the presence of God in our life. and It is a fruit of the Spirit. So a life that is investing in Jesus will have joy. So if, let me just say this, and this is really strong, okay? If you are lacking joy, you are likely lacking in investing your, in your relationship with God. If you are not experiencing joy, and we all have hardship, we all go difficult, we all face pain, we all have despair, we all have sadness. I'm not saying we don't. But, but if you can't find a way to have joy somewhere at some point, sometime, like David even says, hey, the, the, the pain lasts for the night, but the joy comes in the morning. Like there's, there is moments of that. But if you can't find the joy, it probably because you're not investing in your relationship with God because it is a fruit of the Spirit's presence in your life. So the first thing that we need to do to inject joy, because I'm not feeling it, is get with God. Get with the presence of the Spirit of God because when you are in His presence, a natural fruit from that. Think of a fruit tree. It only grows what it's, what's designed to produce. A natural production of the Spirit in your life is joy. And the second thing is this. Practically, this is, well, the first one's practical. We do this. We inject joy. We inject, we, can, we have the ability to praise in circumstance by recalling to mind what Jesus has already accomplished on the cross. So when you get into the presence of God, you start thinking about what Jesus has already done. When Jesus, the unique son of God, sinless, took our sin on the cross, he conquered, not just defeated, he conquered death. And death is the final blow of the circumstances of life, right? It's the final blow. He conquered death. So all that life throws at us, all that we go through and all that we face, all that our spiritual enemy seeks to bring us down with, while it feels large and insurmountable, is not impossible for a possible God. And so we need to recall to mind, what did Jesus already accomplish? 
I can't see a way through this. I'm not, I need some joy. Lord, I need something right now to get me out of this pit. Call to mind, recall to mind what God has already done through Jesus. Because if he has done that, this is nothing. And this may be a lot. This may be heavy. This may weigh significantly on your shoulders. It may have destroyed for all intents and purposes your life. But it is nothing compared to what Jesus already did on the cross. And you're like, well, you don't know what I'm going through. I don't. But I've gone through some seriously heavy stuff. This week, I got some really bad news about my family. But I was still able to praise God. Because I remember, do you know what? That doesn't have the final word. When the doctor says that about the diagnosis, that's not the final word. Jesus went to the cross for me. He made a way for eternity for me. He, he paved the way for salvation. He defeated death. So that doesn't get the final word. And so I'm able to look at my circumstance and inject joy into me by singing praise. So yes, listen, this is not feeling based. Sometimes I don't feel like it. It's truth based. It's based on a knowledge of. So I don't feel like God right now. I don't feel like praising because of what I've just heard, because of what I've gone through, because of what they just told me, because of what my spouse said, because of what's happening. I just lost, I don't feel like it. But I know you're a good God and you are a provider and you are the Lord of life and you sustain me and you have a plan for me and you died on the cross for my sin and you paved a way for eternity. You defeated and conquered death. And so I will praise you because this isn't the final say. This isn't the final say. How do we inject joy, church? How do we sing praise in the midst of circumstance? Remember Jesus. And if he could do that, if he could pave a way so that when you end your life on this side, you open your eyes to him, he could do anything. That is why we actually say, that nothing is impossible for the Most High God. Like we believe that. Because our spiritual enemy, the devil, Satan, wants us to look at the circumstances and say, oh man, you got nothing now. And, and part of us wants to believe that lie. I got nothing now. What do I got? And it, it stinks. You say a lot of bad words about those things. God reminds us, yes, that is really hard. But I made a way for you and I can do it again. I can stop the floodwaters. In fact, I've already stopped them upstream. You just haven't seen it yet. You just haven't experienced it yet. So we're gonna sing praise to God. I, I, I thought, hey, do you know what? What better way to end this service instead of us just going, yeah, hurrah, pray and go. Let's praise him. And I want to invite you to close your eyes all over this place, in your, in your room, wherever you're listening in from online. Just close your eyes. And I want you to fix your mind and fix your heart on the goodness of the Father, on the might and power of God, on what he's already accomplished through Jesus. We took communion today to remember what he's done. Let's fix our mind's attention on that. And let's just begin to praise. This team's going to lead us in song. We're going to lift him up in this house. And here's what I want to actually do is you just do that. You're already closing your eyes, already being to praise. If you feel led to come to the front, like let's do this. We haven't done this in a while, but let's do this. Keep your mask on. We'll, we'll, we'll follow the regulations. 
But just, but just come, just say, I'm coming to the altar. I wanna lift praises to God. I, I wanna dig in. I wanna step out of my comfort zone. I, I need some joy in my circumstance right now. And, and as David called the community, let's do it as a community for the community. Come on, let's praise him. Be lifted up, oh God. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.